everyone. We just want to let you know that the Hockey Podcast Network has partnered with Tankathon and Cool Hockey for the NHL Draft Lottery Contest. So uh, here's how you enter. You go to tankathon.com slash NHL. You click Sim Lottery to create a 15-team simulation. You then screenshot your favorite outcome, and then you submit your entry by commenting with it below the post. Uh, you can find that post on the Hockey Podcast Network's Twitter page, as well as retweet it on ours. Uh, and then what you do is you make sure to tag a friend and retweet the post, uh, one entry per account. If you get all 15 teams correct, uh, you can win a $200 gift card courtesy of CoolHockey.com. And uh, for all other rules and information, uh, check out the Hockey Podcast Network's Twitter page. Thanks, everyone, and uh, enjoy the episode. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to another episode of the Grit for 60 podcast, guest show edition. Um, my name's Connor Farrell. Um, you can call me TC. I'm broadcasting live from Jacksonville, and I'm joined all the way from Minnesota. What's going uh, on, guys? I'm Logan. <laughs> Logan Morey, um, one, of my, one of my friends growing up from school, um, looks like Former ACHA goalie, looks like had a save percentage above 900. Yeah, <laughs> I do what I can, I guess. Played a total of six games for Augusta, Gustavus at Adolphus College. Not That's so right, bad. yep. Not so bad. Yeah. Um, how, are, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm doing well. And you? Uh, you know, same old, same old. <laughs> Keep on moving. This, this yeah, NHL season right. has been draining, trying to follow the Flyers and also keep tabs on this team that shouldn't be in a playoff spot, but is. Well, actually, I think they're right outside. Right outside the playoffs. Should be nowhere near the playoffs. Um, but with that said, what is your – so we're going to be talking about the Winnipeg Jets today. And before we, we bring in your expertise – by the way, I bet you weren't expecting that little stat line um, – Oh no! <laughs> Something I, I came up with um, later on this point. Um, okay. Before we get going into why I brought you in here, I do want to brag about myself for just a second here. Um, so the Jets offensively have really struggled this season to uh, produce very sus- sustainable, sustainable outcomes here. Um, I know Brennan keeps pointing out that Mark Shifley is shooting above 18%, um, which, Logan, I don't know how big into the statistics and the analyst analytics side you are into hockey, but here at the Grit Per 60 podcast, we call ourselves hockey nerds and we talk about stats all the time, um, particularly 
Corsi and expected goals and Brennan brings up shooting percentage because a lot of times that's not sustainable, particularly what Mark Scheifele has been doing this season. Yeah. It's been very sustainable. And particularly when we talk about Patrick Line and how early in his career he had unsustainable shooting, shooting percentages and it's kind of sort of come back to what it should be. Um, but with that said, the team as a whole has not, they haven't been meeting things like goals, goals for expected goals for percentage and Corsi percentage very uh, well this season, despite uh, the outcome saying, oh, Shifley has like 30 goals this season or something like that. And all I've been saying is, okay, let's, let's break up whatever the Shifley line A Connor line is. Let's break that apart. It's not working out too well. They're scoring goals, which I guess is their job. And I shouldn't see that as a negative, and I don't. But they're not driving play, and they're getting scored on pretty frequently as well. So let's break that up. My dream was to put Ellers and Line A on the same line on opposite wings. The Jets finally did what I wanted them to do for about a month. My blueprint, my thinking here is Ellers... Blinding speed, incredible skill, can probably stick handle through two or three defensemen. If he just carries the puck through the neutral zone, enters the attacking zone, draws two or three defensemen with them, take the puck below the red line, find a wide open Patrick Line in the slot for a goal. That's my blueprint. That's how I think the Jets should be creating offense. They did that. They, they put those two out there together for a total of 11 minutes against the Vegas Golden Knights, and they won 4 nothing. How do you think they scored their first goal? I wasn't watching that game, but a shot from Patrick Laine. A shot from Patrick Laine from Nick Ellers from below the red line. Um, pretty much exactly. <laughs> 32 seconds in, Ellers goes through the neutral zone with the, his blinding speed, carries the puck below the red line. Line has gotten, I guess, a defender there, but he's kind of still open-ish. It's weird. You'd have to see what I'm talking about to visualize this. And it yeah. puts it in, like, I'm just, look, I'm not, I have, I've never played. I'm not an expert by any means. Uh, maybe I could coach. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm I say you could. I'm just saying, if they had made this change about a month ago, this might be a different, different playoff picture here. But it is only one goal and it is only one game, so maybe I shouldn't get ahead of myself. Um, and it did... That first period, I do want to talk about this game quite a bit because it happened um, after our last episode. Um, and it, it's a very, this is a very pivotal game here because that first period is, showed us what the, these Winnipeg Jets can be. They could have run a very good hockey team out of the building in the first period, and they pretty much did. 3 nothing at the end of one, uh, and then at intermission, Vegas is like, hang on, we're the better team here. Uh, and then for about, uh, the rest of the game, Vegas dominated shot share, um, did what every team does against Winnipeg and take a bunch of shots right in front of Connor Hellebuck. But in the end, they got what Vegas got, what we call here on the pod, they got Hellebucked. They just, they got yeah. Hellebucked. Uh, Vegas, 29 shots on goal. None of them go in. Hellock is their first star of the game. Jets win 4 nothing. This has pretty much been the recipe for success for this Jets team. Uh, get a little bit lucky with the scoring. Um, 
a couple power play goals, let Connor Hellebuck take care of the rest because, in all honesty, the only defenseman who's really secure in his own zone is Josh Morrissey. And you can't do that for 60 minutes a game and be successful. But here we are, Connor Hellebuck, uh, in my opinion, should be the front runner for the Vezina, regardless of whether or not this team makes the playoffs. As a former goalie, your thoughts? Yeah, I got the chance to see um, Hellebuck play in January against the Wild live. And, um, yeah, he's fantastic. Like, he's he's so strong. He uh, he doesn't give up rebounds. He plays on the top of his crease really nicely. He challenges shooters well. Um, it was kind of the same situation where the Wild ended up winning in overtime, but I think Winnipeg took a quick one nothing lead, and they just kind of sat back and – um, the Wild are just all over Hellebuck the rest of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, and he, he, I was saying before, like, he really brings it night in and night out. He's consistent, too. And, um, yeah, if they make the playoffs, I, a large, large portion of that has got to be attributed to him. And I would say, and I, I guess it doesn't work out this way. I think if, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think there's any chance that he wins the award, even though I think he should still be the front runner um, at that point. Um, before, we, before we move on about the, with the picture as a whole, you did say something interesting in that the Jets took an early lead and kind of the wild kind of took over the game, but didn't really get anywhere with it um, yeah. because they got hella bucked. Yeah, they um, got hella bucked <laughs> for a brief moment until he scored in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wonder if this is a problem with this team because I'm thinking about the Vegas game. And, um, oh, actually, you know what? I remember this game. I was mad at this game too because there were lots of uncalled like there were a few questionable calls at the end of that game that I'm like, really, we're going to lose because of that. And I'm just, I was, I was mad. Um, as much as this is not my team, this has slowly become a team that I want to succeed. Um, despite the fact that I know that they don't deserve to win most of their games. Um, I'm going to, Hmm. I'm simultaneously negative and positive on this podcast, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, so this is what happens when I don't have Brendan here to keep my thoughts in any particular order. Oh, I yeah. Wonder is, I wonder if this is a, a problem um, with the Jets, because they don't have defensemen. They can't sit back on leads, and yet there's it's so not. It's, it's not a sustainable way to win games down the stretch, especially when you get into the playoffs and – games can go on for longer than 65 minutes and stuff like that. It's just, it's just not a reliable way to win games. And it's, it's kind of what they seem to do in that game. And um, it's what they seem to do in this golden Knights game, even though it worked out for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You see all the time teams blowing leads in uh, playoff games. Like you were talking as a Flyers fan last uh time you enjoyed this kind of success was 2012 and that series with the penguins there were yeah three goal lead swings the whole series and stuff and oh that was such a fun series too i mean that's an anomaly but i mean it's just it's just the playoffs are so unpredictable and mm-hmm. 
I think you need a you really need a complete team to make a run at it. Uh, that said, they do have the one piece that I think a team like Winnipeg would need to go on a run if they make the playoffs, and that's a hot goalie. That's right. If the, if Connor and again this everything with this team relies on Connor Hellebuck, which to me is not great because goalies are voodoo. Um, <laughs> but if exactly. there was if there was one upside to this team possibly making the playoffs, it's it's Connor Hellebuck. Um, yeah, I mean, you live and die with your goalie, and <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. like uh, you said, goalies are voodoo. They can be your best friend. They can be. Uh, your worst nightmare. So, <laughs> I, I know you you follow the Anaheim Ducks, and we talk about goalies being voodoo. How is how is John Gibson doing? Um, I think I like Gibson. I've always liked him. Um, I just I I he's another one of those goalies who just he just doesn't get a whole lot of support. I think, and it's it's one of the most disappointing things to watch because he was such a he was such a big time prospect. I mm-hmm. really thought he looked strong playing for Team USA in the World Juniors, and has thought he's been good ever since. And um, I mean, it's worked out. Like some years, they've they've been good, but ever since he took over for Freddie Anderson, I mean, the Ducks have just mm-hmm. been trending downward. So it's it's fr- it's a frustrating thing to watch because I know he's good and I know he's capable of. Um, bringing a team far deep into the postseason but he just they can't even get there with the pieces they have right now and I I just find it um I just find it him a very interesting uh I guess case study if you want to call it that um because last year basically the same story about no doesn't the Ducks were barely an NHL team last season but still kind of that this season but yeah. he had a much better season last year, um, which was interesting. Because so last year, I would, I could, Brendan would have said that he should have gotten the the Vezina last year, despite the fact that they don't have wins. And that's a whole another conversation of, well, wins is a terrible way to um, right exactly evaluate a goalie. Um, versus this season, he doesn't. He still doesn't have the wins, but he doesn't have the other stuff that makes that argument compelling either. So it's just. I don't know, man. Goalies can't never rely on goalies. Don't don't pay your goalies. Um, I say, talking to a goalie. Um, yeah, it's my general thought. I did have another thing. I don't remember what it was. Uh, oh, right. Getting back to this Vegas game, or at least the whole holding leads thing. So. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that is talked about a lot when we talk about um, analytics is something called score effects. So when we talk about the Jets getting off to an early lead, just in general, no matter what your strategy is, you're much more likely to face more shots with a two nothing lead, three nothing lead than you are right. at zero zero. No matter right. what you're trying to do, something changes mentality of the other team changes the mentality of your team changes and so i think what what's happening with this jets team with these leads is if connor hellbuck doesn't stand on his head the, the the game can shift real quickly and i think what we saw in this vegas game is the are these score effects start to take place and combine that with the fact that the jets 
have one defenseman who's good in his own zone, that's a recipe for disaster. Like, if you can't keep the other team from shooting the puck from the slot or right in front of Connor Hellebuck or wherever it is, th- more often than not, you're going to lose these games. Not going to work out. Or you, lose yeah. the lead at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I guess moving forward, if there's a, if, I don't know if this is something that, that a coach can control with his tactics or the mentality, but don't go into the shell after a period because you've got a three, nothing lead. Like, yes, you've got a three, nothing lead, but you cannot play in your own zone. Your team is not built to play in your own zone. And in fact, I talk about this team not having any uh, defensemen, but the center depth is also lacking. um, Particularly since I, you know, the, one of the stories this season is Mark Shifley has not been good defensively. I would say the one center that is good defensively is Andrew Kopp, and I'm not sure he's on this team going to get – well, I guess, let's see. How many minutes did he get in the Vegas game? Um, uh-huh. Ten minutes with Jansen Harkins and Jack Roskowick, which I guess makes that the third line by ice time. Yeah, so first line was Connor Shifley-Wheeler. Second line by ice time would be Ellers, Eakin, Line, and then Harkins, Kopp, Roslovic. Um, so if he's only out on the ice for 10 minutes and you've got Mark Shifley on your, I guess, your scoring line there with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, that's not going to – you don't have any really play drivers on that line. Your play drivers are on the – well, they're Nick Ellers and Andrew Kopp and Jansen Hart. Well, I guess Jack Roslovic to a degree. Um, it's just – it's hard to defend in your own zone when you don't have guys that are responsible defensively. Now, Patrick Laine has become part of that um, this season. But I just think the pieces aren't there to hold leads on this team. And I, I wonder if that's going to be an issue. Well, it already is an issue. But I, yeah. I personally don't see how to fix that this season with the pieces they have. I, I Yeah, I agree with you. I think – just like looking at them, like just at the roster and stuff, it just looks like a team that's built to score for, to me. Like, I mean, I like, I think about like Blake Wheeler too and stuff like that, you know, a guy who is from Minnesota. So I, I keep a little bit of tabs on yeah. him. So, but he's, he's having another good year. I think he's third in on the team in points or something like that. And uh, you know, line a and stuff. And they're just, it's just it just looks like a team that's gonna score some goals and I, I don't know how how good defensively those forwards are because a lot of your defense you know comes from back checking comes from um good play in the defensive zone and um pressuring points and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it's uh like I, I don't I don't follow them very as close as you are right now but I like I said it just looks like a team that's built to score. I would I would say the same thing. I would say part of it is well, okay. So you're thinking built to score. You mentioned Blake Wheeler, Patrick Line. Those are both scorers. Ellers has been really good offensively this season, but he's more of a, a you know a playmaker. I would I would say, but he definitely has the ability to score. Uh, Kyle Connor is to me their best, or not their yeah maybe their best um, pure goal scorer on this team, um, and then. I guess Jansen Harkins, Cop Roslovic, those are going to be your guys that can drive play and pressure the puck and keep possession. And in this game, they had, you know, only 38% of 38% Corsi, 
which is not good. You want 50, 50% or better means that you have more of the shot share than the other team. 38 is not good. Connor Shifley Wheeler, 37. That's not going to cut it either. Ellers, Eakin, Line, 44 is better. And then Perot, Short, Appleton at 77, which is really, really good, but they're only on the ice for six minutes. Now, yeah. So, so this is um, – sorry to interrupt. This is uh, percentage of the shots taken while you're on the ice? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, so Corsi is any shot attempt. So it's not just shot on goal. It's any shot attempt. So basically gotcha. you go – um, how many shot attempts did you have while you were on the ice? How many did the other team have while you were on the ice? And then mm-hmm. you'd like, you know, you put one over the other and divide. Um, so, uh, the Perot, oh, by the way, Matthew Perot, that was a huge addition to this game as well. Um, welcome back, Matthew Perot. Perot, Shore, Appleton were the only trio that had more shots while they were on the ice than the other team. And they had 70% of their shot share, but that's over only over six minutes. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the, the team... Doesn't so they carry a whole lot of weight. No. And, the, 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 you know, that's so you're, the tallies here are seven shots for, two shots against. It's not a big sample size. Right. Um, whereas the Connor Shifley-Wheeler line, the, te- the line that had 15 minutes, had 11, 4, and 18 against. A much bigger sample size and not very good. So this is kind of the trend that we've been seeing for most of this season. And I wonder, I mean, this fourth line has been, I, I generally don't pay attention too much to fourth lines, but I mean, if you look at the Jets this season when they've gotten Nick Shore, Mason Appleton, and whoever else out there, um, I think it's usually Bork. Um, they've been really good. They don't take very many shots, but they've been very good at suppressing other teams why, if you've got a three nothing lead, why aren't you throwing them out there more often? Or even Harkins, Comp, Ross, although they did get 10 minutes, which if you're getting a third line, that's okay. But why do you need to throw out Connor Shifley Wheeler for 15 minutes when you've got a three nothing lead after the first? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's a matchups game, I guess. Like, I think, uh, how do you think they would perform against uh, Vegas's top line? You think? Um, well, or Vegas's second line? You no, know, I think I think if you throw, I think well, I think the dream is put Cop Ellers and Line A together, have them match up against the top line because I really like, or at least with the lead, I think that would be a good idea because I really like the way Cop plays a two-way game. Ellers is going is awesome on the puck, so if if they win the puck, he can move it. He can keep it himself and keep possession real easily. And Line A has been pretty responsibly re- responsible defensively this season. Um, so I guess if you want to throw those three out there, that would be ideal, but that's not the way they're, they've lined up. So I guess if you want to throw Kopp, Harkins, Roslovic, they might be able to take a little bit more of the load. I just – I would like to see this fourth line get a little bit more of a chance to – because they, they've shown that they are capable – yeah. Why not throw them, give them a little bit more, give them a little bit more, you know, yeah. I, Mark Shifley hasn't shown that he's capable defensively. Kyle Connor, that's just not the player he is. Blake Wheeler maybe is your defensively minded forward there. I just, I think if you're throwing them out there against the other team's top line, you're not seeing the results. You're not seeing what you want to see in a three in a game that you 
got a three nothing lead or a four nothing lead after two. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, Vegas is a team that's still like, I mean, we're two or three years beyond the expansion draft, but I, I, I also watched them play the wild this year at the XL energy center. And uh, they're just a team who's still, who's still balanced. Um, yeah. First line through third or even fourth. Absolutely. And so, so like, like I said, I didn't watch this game, but it would seem like a not, um, it's not like it's that far out there of a strategy to play your fourth line against the better line, so to speak, that could stay or that uh, the Golden Knights have. I think we've, we've hit just about every point on this game. Um, I do want to mention, I mean, just having Matthew Perot out there seems to be a pretty big boost to this team. I think inserting him into this game really injected a lot of life into that first period. I think he made a real difference. Um, even if he's only out there for six minutes. Um, but I do want to bring up um, the state of the Western Conference before we run out of time because we spent a lot more time on that game than I thought we would. Um, so in the Central Division, because we're going to focus on the Winnipeg Jets and their chances, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas pretty much have those top three spots locked up. Yeah. Um, May, They're not going maybe, anywhere. Maybe, 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 maybe Vancouver can catch Dallas, but they're just they're trending downward. Like, yeah. So we've got Vancouver and Nashville in the two wild card spots, um, temporarily. Then Winnipeg is tied with Nashville in points, but has played one more game. And then we've got Minnesota uh, one point behind, um, and Arizona two points behind and then Chicago six points behind lagging in there. <laughs> They've, so you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. I mean, don't count Chicago out, but I'm not saying, the, I'm not saying I'm counting them out, but uh, yeah. Nah. Yeah. I don't think they're there yet. Maybe next season. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're a team who's, who was rebuilding and now they're sort of figuring things out, but they still got some aging guys on that roster. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, So on the last podcast, when we talked about the playoffs, I do, I did mention, so we, Brennan and I each picked our two predictions for, for the wild card. I, I don't remember his predictions, but I believe I had Vancouver and Winnipeg. Um, Not Winnipeg. Minnesota, Vancouver and Minnesota in the two wild card spots. What are your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild? Can they sneak in there? Well, to be honest, I'm not I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I just there's so much similarities that I'm thinking of between this year's Wild team and last year's St. Louis Blues team. Oh <laughs> again. Man. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but see us like, Flyers fans are saying the same thing about our team sometimes. So yeah, right. I mean, everybody wants to be last year's St. Louis Blues. <laughs> Everyone. What are, what are the similarities? So you had your head coach that you fired mm. in January, February. I mean, yep. Bruce Boudreaux, who like everywhere he's been, his teams have been good regular season teams. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's ever been to the Stanley Cup final that I can remember. 
there were all these those years in Washington, and then there were, there were those years in Anaheim where they went to the conference final a few years, but lost after leading three to two going into game six and then game seven on home ice. And with the Wild, you know, I think I think they were already trending upward when he got fired. And so I was a little bit puzzled by it, but like if you if you think about it, I mean it makes sense. I don't think he's I don't think he was gonna change anything that's going on in the wild um, organization and results anytime soon. And I think it was I think it was necessary. So that there's the firing of the head coach, and then there's like then there's the goaltending change up too. Like the Blues last year, Jordan Biddington comes in after pretty much never playing an NHL game for Jake Allen and what was it like January or December about? Yeah. Right around there. Yeah. Um, it's a little different with Staylock and Dubnik, but for years, Dubnik's been this like franchise goalie. He's, um, he's the brand name wild goalie and Staylock comes in and I mean, he played last year. He played a little bit the year before he was playing earlier this year, but it really seems like now they're really riding Staylock and he's, he's becoming the number one goalie and, as as a wild fan and as uh someone who really pays attention to the goalies i i like him more than i like dubnik really i think he's 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 quicker and he plays the puck much better and like he's he's like a third defenseman back there i mean he's not gonna rock the pass like mike smith is but he makes smart plays and he he's aggressive with the puck and he doesn't allow teams to establish a forecheck like against the Golden Knights in that game. The Wild also won 4 nothing. It was about a month ago, but they just had no forecheck against the Wild. I mean, they I think they had 19 shots all game, and most of it was due to Staylock. So he's like a he's like a Ron Hextall back there. Yeah, well, not quite. I mean, <laughs> I don't quite. like, yeah, I, I think Ron Hextall was in a class by himself. But, yeah, you could person. <laughs> My opinions of Ron Hextall have somewhat – have varied quite a bit over the last few years. Um, yeah, well, he was quite a personality. <laughs> that, yeah, just, that is true. Um, an interesting GM as well. I'll throw that out there. Um, and I'll throw this out there. I don't think the Flyers are where they are without um, without him, without his – but he was simultaneously helping the team and holding them back. It's a weird situation. But we're not talking about the Flyers, and, in fact, we're <laughs> – Blowing through time again. Um, okay, so you got you got a new coach. You got a hot goalie. What are the other – do you have any other similarities? Um, well, those are the two big ones that I could think of. Um, those are good but similarities. Like, I don't know. They're just – what's that? So those are good similarities. They're important pieces. And they're, and they're just gritty. Like, I think about, like, O'Reilly winning the Conn Smythe Trophy and stuff like that, and Zach Sanford coming off the uh, healthy scratch list and contributing the way he did. I think the Wild, are, the Wild are deep. I mean, they got four solid lines, and, like, they're just gritty. Like, there's no other way to put it. It's, it's funny you, you use that word gritty because this is the Grit Per 60 podcast. Um, which is sort of a dig at the I'm not. Okay. So we don't ever claim that grit is a bad thing for a team to have, but the players that are usually considered to be gritty, they don't show up well on the analytic side, 
just kind of what Vernon and I tend to talk about. Okay. So grit. So a lot of analytics are per 60 minutes. Um, so how much grit does he contribute per 60? I um, see. Yeah. So if you were to, so what we like to do is we like to name a grit per 60 champion for each team. If you were to name a player with the mo- that contributes the most grit per 60 minutes on the wild, who would it be? Mm. Who's your grittiest player? Uh, this is this is actually kind of an easy one for me. I think it's Parise. Really? I just I just I don't know. Like when I when I use the term, I guess I mean the goals he scores are just always in the dirty areas. Oh, okay. They're always the rebounds. They're always you know he just the one timers right in the slot while guys are on top of them. He's or not really the one timers, but you know he'll bury passes yeah. in front of the net. He and he's he's good at getting stick on puck in those situations and he's just um yeah he just he just doesn't give up in front of the net and so so usually some things that we look for on uh our grit per 60 champions are do they bring a veteran presence are they big um do they hit those sorts of things yeah necessarily so there's there is a difference between players who are gritty and good and players that are gritty and bad Sounds like Zach Caprize is gritty and good. Uh, yeah, I'm looking yeah. for someone who's gritty and bad. Maybe, mm, let's see. Well, so I think Tyler Myers is probably a good example of this, even though he's probably not considered a, a veteran. Um, he's a defenseman who's big and will hit people. Uh, pretty gritty player there. Um, let's see. I'm looking at the roster now. Maybe uh, Ryan Hartman's not that big, though. Zuccarello? I don't know. It's a dif- difficult. Ooh, it's, maybe. It's yeah. a little hard for me to label him as gritty just because he's – I just always yeah. view him as a skill guy. So I'm That's true. Stuff. I'm just – I just look at him and I'm go, yeah, veteran, veteran guy. Uh, well, let's see here. I mean – well, Parise's definitely got the veteran thing going for him. Yeah. I mean, probably Quavu. He's a big guy. He's been around forever. Yes. Um, he's, sort, he's sort of, you know, as he's losing skill over the years, he's sort of becoming more of a gritty player. But but we still like him. He's the captain, and he – Right. Um, yeah. So, so for years, the strength of this team has been its defense. Do you think that is still the case? Um, I think – when I think of the wild, I think – Ryan Suter, Dumba, like those kinds of players. I know the the core of that defense has kind of shifted over the last yeah. year or so. Like I like Suter. I just don't I think he's I think he's inconsistent. Um uh, my dad and I talk about Dumba all the time. He drives us insane because he doesn't hit the net <laughs> and he turns the puck over a lot. Does, um, does he's he take physical. shots from the, the blue line unnecessarily? Yeah, he just yeah. – I mean, he's got the slap shot every, pop. We all know that. But he just – he can't hit the net. Every team's, the net. every team's got a defenseman like that. For the Flyers, it used to be Radko Gudis. For the Jets, it's um, Kulikov. Oh, Kulikov, perfect example of a grit per 60 player. Uh, veteran guy will hit people. I don't think he's – I mean, maybe he's not that big. Um, but – kind of labeled as the glue or whatever, but doesn't actually provide all that much. Um, 
that sort of thing. Uh, so Dumbo drives you crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just the missing in that thing. Like when we get into, you know, power plays and six on fives and stuff like that, it's like, I just, I feel like he never puts a shot on goal, you know? <laughs> um, um, I, I, I like Spurgeon a lot though. I really like him. He's undersized, okay. but he, he creates offense and he's, he's got good speed. He doesn't, he doesn't get beat too often. I, I think if, there's, you know, it's still, you still got to talk about Dumba and Suter because they're still really good defensemen. I think, I just think Dumba's overrated. Um, but I think Spurgeon's a guy who's underrated, um, who, who doesn't get a lot of love, but I think he's, um, I think he's a very good defenseman. Okay. Um, and there's, and then there's Brodeen too. I mean, he's been, uh, doing well for us, I think. Um, so yeah, I, uh, Susie's guy who's been seeing some more ice time. Um, so, I, um, I think, let's see. I, I think, I think the identity is shifting a little bit, actually. I think, um, I'm starting to see Fiala producing a lot and he's just, he's so good. He, he always, he always comes through for us. So I, I hope that trend continues throughout the rest of the year. And um, there was a point when Ovechkin was getting all the praise for, you know, having 698 goals. And then he kind of yeah. went into that slump. Well, right about that time, Fiala was uh, on a big point streak. And that there was a game against the Knights where it was 4 nothing was the final, but he had like three points and two power play goals. So he's – He's exceptional. Awesome. So do you think, do you think this team makes the playoffs? Uh, I'm biased, but I do. I, I, I really do. I think it's, it's hard for me to picture a playoff year without Nashville. Um, you know, as, as much as it seems like they're not the team they used to be, but I think they're one of the wild card teams. And I would say just the way Minnesota's playing. Although we'll see what happens tonight. They play Anaheim. They dropped one to the Kings last night, which is mm. puzzling to me. I mean, after beating all these good teams and they go out and lose to the Kings and they put themselves in a first wild card spot and then they lose to the Kings. I don't, mm. I don't understand it, <laughs> but I guess that's look the at the score now. It looks like they didn't just get beat by the Kings. What's that? I'm looking at the score now and it looks, I didn't see the game, but it looks like they didn't just get beat by the Kings. They got run out of the building. Yeah, they got run out of the building. I mean, it was it was pretty bad, not gonna lie. It was frustrating to watch and the Kings the Kings outplayed him. So So, um which, I, I think they, I think to answer your question though, I think they do make the playoffs. I like I like the way they're playing and if hopefully they can bounce back and get a win against Anaheim tonight. If they can't if they can't do that yeah, and that'll well, make it harder. You can't lose to Anaheim or Los Angeles and then Anaheim on the same weekend and then expect to make the playoffs, I don't think. Particularly with Vegas and Philly staring you in the face. Is there right. any difficult games? Right. Not not to brag on my own team, but No, no, I mean it's like nine in a row. No joke. Philadelphia is no joke. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, and Vegas 
Vegas is the team that's frustrated me this season. Um, I mean, I don't particularly like Vegas, but it's just they're such a talented team, and they they seem to be playing good hockey and not getting the results, um, which ended up in their coach being fired, even though their team is really good. Um, so that the whole the team is really good, but we're still going to fire the coach thing is really kind of annoying me. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that they still look like one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, okay. So who? So you've got Minnesota in the wild card. Who else do you think makes it? Um, like, I don't – I want to say Nashville, but I don't really, I don't really know what their identity is going to be in net. I mean, you have, you have aging Pecorine, who's been their guy for years. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine, um, a playoff or like a playoff um, Predators team without him. But I mean, at the same time, Saros, Saros has been showing up. I mean, he, he had a, I can't remember who they playing, but he had a shutout the other night. I'll have to look at who that was. Um, and Soros is young. He's strong. He reminds me a lot of uh, Vasilevsky when Vasilevsky was at this point in his career. Interesting. Playing behind Ben Bishop. Right. Yeah. It's a similar kind of situation to me. So. Interesting. So are you, you're going to go with um, Nashville and Minnesota or are you going with I don't. I don't know if Vancouver's going to do it. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure this is their year. I think, like I said, I think they're trending downward, and I don't know. I think I see that continuing because they were they were in the uh, playoff picture, weren't they? At one point in the they, top three. Oh, I don't know. I think they were in the top three at one point. Maybe maybe uh, oh, way back. Calgary's in the top. Yeah, they were definitely in the top three because now Calgary's there. Yeah, I don't think Calgary was there before. Edmonton is winning that division. I. I cannot stress this enough. Edmonton is winning that division. Well, they have two of the top goal scorers in the whole league. But that's it. That's all they've got. Yeah, that's true. I mean. (laughs) That's – and I – I know this is what I usually say about teams that aren't that deep. uh, But you got to stop two guys. But it's hard for me to say that with Edmonton because stopping someone like uh, Connor McDavid is easier said than done. Yeah. Um. I had another question. So you're sticking with sticking with Nashville, Minnesota. I think I'm sticking with Nashville, Minnesota. Okay. So Winnipeg is out in your predictions. <sighs> Somebody's gotta be out, I guess. Yeah. But I mean I haven't I haven't kept tabs with them as good as you have, but they could prove me wrong. I mean I don't think they're I don't think they make it personally. You don't think so? I I want them to make it just so that we've got an argument for Connor Hellebuck to win the Vesna. That's fair, because you don't even you don't even get a look if you don't make the playoffs. <laughs> Correct. Like, Correct. but but you should. You absolutely should. Like, the Vesna Trophy used to be based on I don't know if you know this or not, but like based on only goals against average. Mm. So every year the Canadians goalies were winning it throughout the seventies, even after Ken Dryden left, and you had like two would be backup goalies on any other team winning the Vesna. 
But, and like you said, now they base it too much off of wins. It's not really fair to guys like Gibson and Hellbuck who <laughs> are their teams. <laughs> years that was the case with Mike Smith in, in uh, Phoenix. So. Yeah. Um, so final question before we wrap up here, because we're probably over time at this point. Can I get you on team hashtag free Gibby? For freeing yeah. John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, well, yeah, you can. I mean, as much as I like Gibson, American-born guy, um, really, really good goalie. As much as I like the Ducks, it's I think it's a partnership that needs to split up eventually. I, I, I think he's on a long-term contract there, which makes us harder. Yeah, um, I, I want to see I, him go and win a Stanley I, Cup with some team. I need, I need him – uh, Connor McDavid. I'll even throw Dreisaitl in there. I need those three on like an actually good hockey team, and <laughs> yeah. not just not just oh, it's John Gibson dragging the corpse of the Anaheim Ducks, or not just oh, it's Connor McDavid and some guys. Um, but I guess I guess McDavid's doing all right if he's winning the Pacific Division. Yeah. Although any anybody could win that division, you could go in there and win the Pacific Division. Yeah, <laughs> it seems it seems to be that way. Um, okay. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have any, anything to plug? Mm. No, I don't, I don't think I got anything else really. Okay. Um, follow, if you're still watching or still listening to this pod, um, you can find all of our episodes on the hockey podcast network every Monday and Thursday. Um, they will be there first and then everywhere else sometime after that if Brendan updates our RSS feed. Um, I am going to blame him for the technical side because he's that's what he does. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GritFor60Pod. I'm on Twitter at TC underscore 904. Um, let me find Brendan's handle. Because he, if you if you want to follow... Um, someone who tweets about UF sports follow at bferrell727 um, sometimes he also tweets about hockey as well but yeah um, okay and that'll do it for another episode of the Grip for 60 podcast you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.